That probably was the first, first song, first hymn I heard when I was born again. What an impact, amazing grace that saved a wretch like me, like you, like all of us. Well, today I'm going to talk about something that's very simple. <clears throat> We're going to have communion. I wanted to give you the, uh, the sin version. You want the short version? You can have it. Don't. That's the short version. The long version, I'll be here till next week. So I'm going to kind of give you in between. I want you to understand two things before we start. <clears throat> Jesus never sinned. God is good, and the rest of us fall in the middle. That's us. So when we talk about these things, and Skip, could you put the... Uh, <clears throat> we have a way of taking words, and they become, after a while, insignificant. It says, rebellion, an act of violent or open resistance to an established government or ruler. Now, rebellion is sin. Of course, when we talk about sin, seldom do we ever say the word rebellion, only when we read it in Scripture. But in essence, that's what sin is. So as a result of that, we've got to take a different look at it. We got a word that passes around today like a million dollars. A million dollars by today's standards is pocket change. Not for you and me, of course, but pocket change. No, you've got to talk about billions and trillions. See, the words get lost in the shuffle. They don't mean anything. Sin is like that. Sin takes a turn where everyone does it, everyone's involved in it, and we have repentance. Well, that's all true. But sometimes we don't look at the significance of what sin can really do to us. So, Father, as we get into the word of God, I thank you and praise you that we can expose the difference between what we think and what actually happens. For sometimes we deceive ourselves. Sometimes we uh, look at something that is not bad at all, but you have a whole different opinion of it. So I ask that you would open eyes and open ears that they not only would see and hear Jesus, but would become a doer of the word and not just a hearer. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Three things I wanted to talk about today, very simply, before we go into communion. First of all, what God's word has to say about sin. That's one. <clears throat> Number two is the destructive power of sin. Two. And three, the consequences of sin. They all kind of follow along the trail. So, uh, Skip, would you put up the next scripture? <clears throat> As we find out to begin with, that sin is actually rebellion. There's no two ways about it. If you sin, you rebel. And how does that? Because you have gone contrary to the word of God. That's rebellion. Simply put, there's nothing else but rebellion. But we don't look at it like that. We should. <clears throat> because when we look at things with their true value then we can take it for the depth of what it means. So, what does God's word have to say about sin? Now, I'm going to be going back and forth to Old and New Testament. Now, some of you may say, well, that's Old Testament. Uh, Look at 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed. So it doesn't matter whether it's old or it's new. The old, all it does is tell us where we came from. The new tells us where we're going. (laughs) It's simple. So, what are the consequences? What are, what's God telling us? 1 Samuel 15, 23, for a rebellion 
It's like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. You know what divination is? Anyone? Witchcraft. Witchcraft. He's saying that rebellion is like the sin of divination, like witchcraft, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Now we're getting down to the basics of sin. Now I realize we've all sinned and fell short of the glory of God. There are some that say they don't sin, but I guess you have to look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If you say you're without sin, you're a liar. So we have to put those people aside. The liars aside till we get done here. Everyone else, stay in tune. For it says right here, for rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. Did you ever think of that when you purposely felt that I'm going to go this direction instead of God's direction? Hardly anyone thinks like that. Because Satan has deceived us. And looking at sin is, oh, it's like that billion dollars. It's a word that passes around. I know I do it. I know he or she does it. But when it all comes down to it, God's going to forgive me. True, if your heart is right. True, if you're following in his footsteps. True, if you're being a doer of the word. But if you're just saying those things, there's absolutely no chance God's going to hear your word. You know, that's scripture. These little catchphrases that they put on plaques. Resist the devil and he'll flee. There isn't a chance on God's earth that's going to work for you unless you get the scripture above it and the scripture below it. It says, draw an eye unto God. That doesn't say that part and resist the devil. And then after that, it says, wash your hands, you filthy sinners. Now we get that all put together and the devil will flee. But just saying these catch little phrases... These little plaques that you can buy in the uh, religious store, that's not going to do you any good unless you have the whole word of God. Satan has the pieces of the word. He loves to use them against the, the brethren. So as a result of that, it's talking right out. Rebellion is like the sin of divination, like witchcraft. Proverbs seventeen eleven: An evil man is bent only on rebellion. Now, did you ever consider yourself to be evil? Now, I don't either, but we are when we go against the word of God. When we go against the word of God, all these words apply to us. Rebellious, evil. You're saying, boy, you're hard today. I'm just truthful today. Very truthful of what these words imply and what they mean to us and how we should take them and look at them and then apply them to our heart. So an evil man is bent, a sinful man, a man that doesn't follow Christ is bent only on rebellion. Rebellion is not doing what God would have you do. That doesn't have to go to uh, sin. We've got the the, uh, prophet Jonah running all the time from God. My own son. I'm very proud of my youngest son. And he has all the qualities that God wants to use. And where does he run? He can send a ship to Tarshish. As far away from God as he can. But the simple fact is, he comes back and tells me, I know what God wants me to do. Are you sitting in your seats now? Because here comes the answer. But he never asked me what I wanted to do. (laughs) What's this all about? I can't see the day I'm going to stand before an almighty God and say, you know, I, I got this figured out, Lord. I know what you want me to do, but I think I know better. That doesn't go very far. So we put these 
Proverbs 17, an evil man, a sinful man, is bent only on rebellion, is only bent on sin. A sinful man is only bent on sin. Why? Because it's enjoyable. Satan has made it enjoyable for a day, for an hour, for a short time, until the significance of the sin comes and smacks at home. See, when we're talking about sin, there are other things. Like I talked about my son, not doing the will of God. When you know what the will of God is and what you should be doing, that's sin. That's rebellion. It says, I know better, or better yet, I don't want to do what you said. It's like a little child stomping his feet on the ground. I won't do it. I won't do it. And then when you're talking to him, it's blah, 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 and getting in one ear and out the other. We've all raised children like this. <coughs> and what they need at that particular time is the old uh, sanctified paddle. <clears throat> of course, I, I would get arrested if I said that out in the public, but it's the truth. The, tr- the public doesn't want to hear the truth. So we find out that Proverbs 17, 11, a sinful man, an evil man, is bent only on rebellion. And then Luke 6, 46 says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I know sometimes Marcia and I in our prayer time, we kind of ramble off things uh, as if God is over there at the department store and uh, handing out the things we're asking for over the counter. That's not the way it works. There's God's will, first of all, has to be taken into consideration. Not my will, not what I want, but your will, Lord. And why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Here we start dividing the sheep from the goats. There are many people that are in churches all around this capital district area that are sitting there today listening to other preachers talk about God, talk about the word, maybe some not so powerful, maybe some more powerful. But it goes in one ear and out the other. And yet they say the same thing. Well, we call him Lord. I believe he's Jesus, he's my savior. Well, what are you doing here? Getting back to the point, you realize that you're a sinner Oh, yeah, I I, I guess you're right. But, you know, I I don't really want to do that. And I agree. Most of us at any given time do not want to sin. We find the temptation at different times is to take that piece of candy off the counter when it belongs to somebody else. That's a sin. So simple. So simple of taking the simplest thing, taking a pencil out of work. Why would that be a sin? Because it doesn't belong to you. It's not like taking a car. See, now we make the differential between what sin really is and what we think sin really is. And we're back to get rid of that word sin and let's go right to the word rebellion. That's rebellion. I'll take this because no one's going to notice it and I need it. That's what sin does. It's a destructive power that Satan gets into our mind saying, that particular sin, it's okay. I grew up with the differential between sins. Sin was venial sins, taking the pencil, mortal sins, not going to church on Sunday, whatever the case may be. But that was what I grew up with. So I knew the difference of doing venial sins. God went, oh, that's, that's okay. Woof, woof, woof. Woof, that's a venial sin. That doesn't mean anything. Sin is sin. Rebellion is rebellion. What is a little rebellion against a great rebellion? 
When you find that out, tell me, because I don't know the difference. It's rebellion. It doesn't come to any other word. So we find out, this is what God has to say, 1 Samuel 15, 23. Rebellion is like the sin of divination, Proverbs 17, 11. An evil man is bent only on rebellion. And Luke 6, 4, 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I ask you to do? Or don't do what I say? So that's the first part, what God has to say. Now we can find next part, if you put that up, Skip, the destructive power. The destructive power of rebellion, of sin. <clears throat> I picked out two particular things. There's probably many more. Hebrews 3.15. As had just been said, today, are you listening? If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. What was the rebellion? The rebellion is before you deny Christ altogether and your heart was hard. But he's saying here, as has been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as you did in the rebellion. Is it possible to harden your heart? Absolutely. Just keep doing what you want to do and you'll find out how far away Christ is. Until someone somewhere, somehow, says a word that strikes a chord and brings you to your knees. If you're a born-again Christian, you can harden your heart. That's not something God wants you to do, but you can do it. Just by being involved in a sin. And your sin, bad habits. That you say, my mother was like this. When I was telling her about Jesus Christ and what it meant to be saved. And she says, Tom... Uh, I'm too old to change. I'm too old to change. Have you heard this before? That's a common thing. Uh, People my age use that as a a feeble excuse. You're never too old to change. Why? For the simple fact is you're a child of God. You may uh, be an old in the world, but you're a child of God. You're never too old to change. So as a result of this, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart as you did in the rebellion. A hard heart is a difficult thing to get over. A hard heart gets encrusted, gets like barnacles on it, like the bottom of a ship. And it takes a lot of scraping to get them off. You get the visual picture here of what a hard heart is. Don't harden your heart. Today, if you hear his voice, I don't know if you're hearing his voice today or not. I pray that what I'm saying, you can hear his voice through the words I'm using through scripture. But if you're just sitting there and saying, oh, gee, here he comes, the same guy, prophet of doom. I'm not a prophet of doom. <laughs> I'm a teller of truth, not a prophet of doom. And I want you to know the truth because I want you to be set free. Simple as that. And why do I want you to be set free? Because I love you. You're my brothers and sisters. I want to see us all in heaven together. I don't want us to fall to these things. Just as it been said today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Do you have a hard heart today? Did you come in here with the troubles that so overwhelmed you that nothing's going to matter what I do here? I'm just here because I come every Sunday. That's a hard heart. He, he's, he, ever have oil applied to something that's hard? 
oil starts to soften it up and start to shape it and mold it to the hardness finally and the oil sets in and now it's pliable. God wants a pliable heart today. Is your heart pliable? God's asking that today. Is your heart pliable? Because if it isn't, you've got a big, big problem. Skip, can you put up the next scripture? Hardness of heart. For the time will come, men will not put up with sound doctrine. <laughs> Am I surprised? Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Telling them what their ears have to say from the truth and turn aside from their myths. Now, there was another scripture there, not only dealing with the, uh, the heart, but also dealing with the spirit. Skip, do you have that scripture on Isaiah 63.10? There we go. This comes before the one I want to get into. Again, we're talking about, yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit, so he turned and became their enemy, and he himself fought against them. Now we're talking about God and me and you. Yet they rebelled. What's that word that we're replacing? Sin. They rebelled and grieved. Many of you have had children. Many of you have children. Many of you may be expecting children. But I'm going to tell you, as a long-standing father with my wife, our children went through a lot of difficult things, a lot of things that we would sit home and grieve. We would grieve because of the seriousness of what they were doing and going in the wrong direction. We as parents did that. Can you imagine the father through his son Jesus Christ when he has given everything he can give? There isn't anything he held back because he went to the cross. Everything he can give. And yet we say, I'll do it my way. That's grieving the Holy Spirit. And where is the Holy Spirit? He's not up there. He's right in here. We are the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit dwells within us. So we're not looking from someone looking from afar. He sees us inside and out. And when we rebel, he grieves. Do we grieve the Holy Spirit? Yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So he turned and became their enemy. And he himself fought against them. I can't imagine having an adversary of God fighting against me and my desires. Something I do often when I do a marriage ceremony, simple little phrase in scripture, with God you'll have everything and without God you'll have nothing. Without God you'll have nothing. What does that mean? You're out in the wilderness with whatever lions are out there. It says in scripture, there's lions out there seeking who they can devour. Don't place yourself in that jeopardy. They became their enemy. You want God as your enemy? And then have him fight against your wishes and desires? See, if our wishes and desires, it says to pray in everything, that God actually will hear your prayer. But what's he going to hear? Not that you want a new car. 
He wants you to hear. He wants to hear about someone you're praying for that needs to be saved. Someone needs to be healed. These are the kind of prayers. God says, I'll hear those kind of prayers. He wants to hear the prayers that say, Lord, my faith is so weak. Help me, Lord, build my faith. That's the kind of prayer he wants to hear. That's the kind of prayer he'll never fight against. But the personal desires, the sinfulness of man, when it gets out of hand, when it gets hardened, that's what he fights against. So we find in Isaiah 63, yet they rebelled and grieved their Holy Spirit. So he turned and became their enemy, and he himself fought against them. Don't have God fighting against your prayers. Well, finally, we're going to get to the consequences before we get to communion. Uh, Skip, now can you put the uh, scripture you had up there before? 1 Timothy 4, 3, 4. There we go. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Well, without going any further, this is rampant throughout our land. Sound doctrine is a joke. You put on almost any TV evangelist and start to listen to them. And it's all about you being happy. Are you What's that song? Be happy. Be happy. Don't be sorry. Be happy. Well, sometimes there is no happiness in Christ. We get mixed up with joy and happiness. Happiness is getting a new car, a new girlfriend, a new something. That's happy. But in a short space of time, unless you apply God's word to it, it kind of wanes. It goes its own way. And there's no happiness. But that doesn't mean the joy is extracted from it. My wife and I, going almost on 60 years, we've had many happy days, many sad days. But the point of what we're looking at is the joy of the Lord. That's why I love the joy of the Lord is in my heart. That's where it belongs. It belongs in our heart. It doesn't matter what happens, how it happens, when it happens. I can still have the joy of the Lord. It's all continuing on. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to listen, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. I think of the story of Jeremiah when the kings were about to go to war and they had multitudes of prophets come in. Oh, yes, great king, you'll be successful. You'll do this. You will come back and victorious with all the plunder. And uh, one of the other kings, I can't think of his name. I can't think of it. doesn't matter. He says, is there any other prophets? Well, then the other king said, well, yeah. Yeah, we have one. He's in the bottom of a well. We keep him there. He doesn't do well when he's out in public. His social skills are lousy. He says, well, let's get him up here and talk to him. Now, Jeremiah does not like being in the well. So when the king asks him, well, what do you think about this? Oh, yeah, you're going to win. Everything says, come on, Jeremiah, let's lay it on the line. Oh, oh, you want the truth. Well, let's see, you're going to die. You're going to lose the battle. And, of course, the king put him back in the hole. He was right. But that's exactly what happened. So they've got around them teachers itching their ear. That's what all those prophets did. That's what we've got out there today. Without naming names, you know who I'm talking about. They're itching your ear. Do it this way. Do it. And God will still surely bless you. Why is that? Because I'm telling you that. 
some famous woman preacher on radio. I thought she had some good, interesting messages until she said this one thing that killed it. I know this is not in scripture, but believe me. Excuse me? (laughs) The last day I listened to her. The last day when someone's talking about her that I don't say, be careful. Be careful with someone that thinks they can equate scripture. So we find out here, they'll listen to strange teachers with their itching ear, and they'll turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. That's why we have all these cults out there. Why we have the Jehovah Witness and the Mormons and the Scientology and on and on and on and on. Because they all say you can keep your own confidence, keep your own counsel. But they don't have a God that's alive today. They don't worship Jesus Christ, who is alive and will ever be. No, no, they go a different way. They believe in the myths. Proverbs 28, 9 says, if anyone turns a deaf ear to the law, God's word. You may say, well, we're not under the law. You're not. I'll clear that up right now. Jesus fulfilled the law, and we're in Jesus. So what do you have? Fulfiller of the law. If anyone turns a deaf ear to the law, Jesus, even if his prayers are Even his prayers are detestable. Hmm. I wish he would just say, I don't hear them, but he has to use that big word, (laughs) that detestable word. If anyone turns a deaf ear to the law, even his prayers are detestable. Even if someone goes in the opposite direction of Jesus, your prayers are detestable. You may say you're stretching the scripture. I'm not stretching anything. Since Jesus fulfilled the law and we're in Christ, we fulfill the law. So we turn a deaf ear to Jesus, even our prayers will be detestable. These are the consequences of walking in sin unrepented. Or walking in sin like it's sin. That's why I'm trying to replace the sin with the true word of rebellion. Do you rebel, do you rebel against God? See, when I put it like that, all of a sudden, oh, gee. I wish you hadn't said that. Now, if I said, do you sin? And you'd all raise your hand, and I would too. But to think that that sin actually means rebellion, a whole different ballgame. So what are the consequences on the, uh, the challenge? Uh, Skip, would you put that up there in 1 Corinthians? This is going to lead us into communion. Now, all the things I'm talking about, you know, if the shoe fits, wear it. If you feel that you're without sin, talk to me later. We'll have a whole different discussion about that. But as I said before, only God is good and Jesus never sinned. And that leaves the rest of us out there. Whatever that means, whatever it means to you. So what are we doing with communion? Well, here we go. Again, I've said it often. I'll say it again. Christianity is not rocket science. Very simple, hard to do sometimes, but very simple. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. What does that examination mean? Well, like anything else, do you want to get an A? Do you want to get a B or do you want to get a C? See, the B is a nice mark, but it leaves some questions unanswered or they're wrong. So even a B get you into a wrong area. 
And that B, what it has here, it has a little compartment. We're compartmentalized. It has a little compartment someplace here, here, down here, whatever, but it's very small. And it's all about me in that compartment. All the rest of it belongs to Christ. All the other 95% belongs to Christ. I only have 5% of cancer. <laughs> See, that's what that means to be. You've got to be on the 18. You need to score an A. A man ought to examine. And how you do that? By examining yourself and seeing in your life of where I go and how I go and what I haven't done here. That's what it's all about. Now the good news. We can all do that. And God is willing to hear our prayer then. He's not going to turn away from it. He's not going to resist it. He's not going to reject it. He'll hear it. Because he wants you and him and me all to be on the same page. And when we're walking on the same page, then the joy of the Lord is in my heart. That's what it's all about. So as we prepare for communion, I ask that you would get your heart and to the mode of realizing that you, me, we do rebel against Christ. And the more we think of that, the less chance we have of sinning. The less chance we have, just let it pass through, and it's okay. Sin is not okay. Rebellion is not okay. It never was and never will be. It puts us on a direct conflict with our mighty God and his son, Jesus Christ. That's where it stands. Hi, I'm Jeff Eckstein, one of the pastors here at Bethlehem Community Church. Welcome to our Sunday podcast, coming to you from the town of Bethlehem in upstate New York in the USA. Bethlehem Community Church is an independent, non-denominational, Bible-based evangelical church that includes people with backgrounds from many denominations. We believe that it is only through the love of the Father, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can come into a personal relationship with God. We are people truly seeking a deeper intimacy with God and with one another. If you'd like to know more about our church, please visit our website at www.bccdelmar.org. There you'll be able to find our statement of faith, as well as more about the ministry of Bethlehem Community Church. You'll also be able to submit prayer requests as we are called to pray with and for you. We also would love to hear your story and how you found our podcast and where you're listening from. So please visit our website and send us an email. Again, it's bccdelmar.org. That's bccdelmar.org. Thank you for joining us as we continue our pursuit of knowing God and making him known.